Are you struggling with alcohol use disorder or sobriety disorder where you think you have to stay sober for the rest of your life and all things boil down to how much you do or don't drink? Well, in this episode, I break down a recent coaching call that I had with one of my clients whose goal it is to be a normal drinker. In this episode, I'm going to give you a bird's eye view of the process that I take people through using a single point in time of an experience with one of my clients who's been sober for a little while and then falls off the wagon. And I'm going to explain to you how I apply my eight core principles and walk women through the change process so that instead of seeing setbacks as proof that it's not possible, they're able to seize the learning opportunities that rapidly accelerate their growth. My name is Colleen Cashman. I'm a soberish recovery coach, helping high-achieving women get emotionally sober so that drinking less or not at all feels like a superpower. Join me each week for evidence-based holistic strategies to regulate your brain chemistry and nervous system and also develop a growth mindset so you can feel proud, confident, and resilient with or without a drink in your hand because it's not about the alcohol. So this is a post-coaching call breakdown. One of the things that I do with my clients in the next chapter is I provide one-on-one support because I understand that sometimes it maybe it isn't an emergency, but it just feels like an emergency. And usually my one-on-one calls with people are less than 15 minutes. Somebody just needs me to orient them, reframe something, give them some different questions to ask, give them a few action steps, and feeling seen and supported is all it takes to get them back in moving in the direction they need to. And given that most of my clients come in with either an active drinking problem or a latent thinking problem which I've started referring to as sobriety disorder versus alcohol use disorder, where they think that the number of days that they are sober or the perfection with which they execute moderate drinking is somehow what causes the sun to rise and set. I want to say two things up front. First of all, a period of sobriety can be extremely helpful in resetting your dopamine and using that time to learn how to regulate your nervous system and deal with the negative self-defeating thinking habits that perpetuate the urge to drink, that a period of sobriety can be extremely helpful in that it makes it easier to just remove alcohol off the table. You know, when you are struggling with intrusive thoughts or big cravings, having to answer the question, am I going to drink and how much am I going to drink, can can suck up 80% of your bandwidth on bad days, right? And so removing that question, removing the toxin drug from your body, allowing your liver to heal, allowing your brain chemistry to heal, really good idea. And at the same time, it is very hard to plan for future 
moderate drinking and working on your mindset about alcohol outside of the context of alcohol. So I have another client who is doing an extended period of sobriety. I think she's committed to like 75 days or something. And so when we talk about her experience of sobriety, what I'm pointing out to her is that the reason she is choosing sobriety right now or she is choosing to not drink on date night or, you know, a weekend or whenever she might in the future think that it's okay. The reason she's choosing it right now is because she can't or she has restricted herself. She's taken it off the table, which again is really helpful. However, if you want to be able to drink like a normal person in the future where you're not obsessed with it, you don't have to plan, you don't have to pace yourself, you don't have to overthink it. Well, it's impossible to develop those neuropathways in your brain when you're reliant on the I can't zero tolerance policy. Does that make sense? And so that's why I say that sobriety itself is a temporary solution at best, because if the reason you're staying sober is because you can't or shouldn't drink alcohol because you can't control it, then If and when you ever pour alcohol on that belief, it's going to flare back up. And that's why in my program, we spend so much time working on the virtual reality where in your brain, the idea of not drinking sounds as sexy or sexier than the idea of drinking. It's not that you have to change your relationship with alcohol because alcohol doesn't have the capability of having a relationship. You're not in a relationship with alcohol. You're in a relationship with yourself. You have to change your relationship with the idea of practicing self-care in the form of sobriety. The only way you can ever drink like a normal person is by learning to experience sobriety as also normal and desirable with actually more benefits than the drinking. So that drinking becomes more of an exception than a rule. Drinking is no longer your state of normal. Sobriety is. So when you do the work to build out this relationship with yourself as a person who is not reliant on alcohol to reduce your stress or to get comfortable in social situations or numb your loneliness, When you do the work to change your relationship with yourself, that's where you can be who you are with or without a drink in your hand. But there is a lot of work that must go into changing your relationship with yourself and with sobriety. And and as long as you are thinking that staying sober for X number of days is the solution to your problem, you are robbing yourself of the invitation to go deeper because you're staying sober to avoid pain, not to pursue your own pleasure and connection. And so like my client who is planning to do the 75 days of sobriety, again, big, huge win. That's amazing. However, she's got a trip coming up to Napa that when the 75 days are over, she intends to reintroduce alcohol. And she's going to have a lot of work to do between now and then 
to change her relationship with not drinking now. And it can't just be because she's a perfectionist and she's going to meet her goal of being perfect for 75 days. Because what comes next, right? So the call I received today, kind of an emergency SOS, and we had a 15-minute check-in. Um, this client had just done the 10 days of the, in my inside my course, there's a 10 day detox, which guides you through, um, you know, stopping drinking and interrupting those daily habits and educating yourself about alcohol as a drug and how it affects your nervous system. You know, just stepping outside of the habit so that you can clear your mind, clear your body and create a different reality and then build on that. So most people that come into my course do start or at some point embark on a 10-day detox. And she had done that and then decided this last weekend to, you know, have a glass of wine on Friday night. And I think she said she had a glass or two and it was fine. She noticed she didn't feel as good as she had been, but it was fine. And then Saturday night, she went out and maybe had a little bit more. I'm a little fuzzy on the details. It doesn't really matter, but still felt like she had controlled her drinking. And by controlled, I mean, did not get really drunk. Nobody would have said she did anything wrong. So it was still performative drinking. In her recounting of her weekend, I could definitely, and I reflected for her, that her connection to the experience of drinking was was less on the Saturday night than it was on the Friday night. She was working with willpower and just going through the motions, if you will, not necessarily experiencing, but kind of had gone subconscious in back into those old habits. You know, this is what I always think. This is what I always say. This is what I always do. And now I'm controlling myself. So whatever. And then got an invitation on Sunday to, after a stressful morning or whatever, to go out and she had no plan, no intention, and four drinks later, you know, reported that she was definitely drunk and felt like shit today. So she calls me to work through this. And the first comment she makes to me is, I don't think I can be a normal drinker. This didn't go well. I'm really pissed at myself. And I'm thinking I must just need to stay away from alcohol forever. That was her presenting statement. And here's what it's like to work with me. My job is to help her orient herself inside the process of change and to use my eight core principles and apply the skills that she's learning to this situation. The first thing we did was awareness of what is happening and then also what is now just a story. She collected data from the weekend. There was data of how much she had to drink, how she felt, and and how she responded. But all of that is officially in the past. The moment of truth for her is in this moment. And I can tell you that this is the difference between my program and almost any other program out there is that it is not the perfection with which you execute a plan to drink in moderation. It is how you respond to yourself when you screw that up. Because here's the the screw up. Let's define screw up. There is no screw up. There is just what happened and the consequences of it and what you make that mean. 
So in this case, it's Monday, she's at work, she has a hangover, she's pissed at herself. And where I'm working with her and all of my clients is to change how you respond to yourself. Again, orienting yourself in the growth process. So the first thing I said is, okay, let's look at this in terms of a growth mindset, which is one of the skills to identify when you're thinking with a fixed mindset and to identify what the growth mindset would be. The growth mindset is I'm in a process of change, problems are opportunities to learn. If I keep trying and I'm clear on where I'm going, I am capable of getting there. That's a growth mindset. A fixed mindset, on the other hand, is I am who I am. It is what it is. I'm not capable of change. And problems that I encounter are proof that I am not going to be able to change. So the first thing I identified is that she showed up on the call carrying a big bag of fixed mindset, that I've had this first experience. It wasn't what I wanted. And that means I'm never going to be able to do it. I'm not capable of change. So I pointed out that that's the fixed mindset. And then I engaged with her to come up with ways, how would we shift into a growth mindset here? And one of the questions I asked her was this hypothetical, let's say that one year from now, you are you have achieved your goal. You are able to engage with alcohol mostly successfully in a way that you want to, and it's no longer a thing in your life. You've moved on to other problems to solve. Like, alcohol's not a thing for you anymore. Let's assume that that's where you're at in a year. What would that version of yourself who has conquered this problem say to you right now? What advice would she have, the one year from now version of yourself? Because at the core of the growth mindset is the belief that this absolutely is possible. And when you understand that a belief is just a thought that you no longer think about because you think it's true, you understand that the suggestion that it's not possible and the suggestion that it is possible are both just suggestions. Neither one is true until you believe it. And then, of course, think, feel, and act as though it is true. And that's the work I do with women uh, around alcohol and about everything is to understand that what you believe becomes your reality. It becomes your truth. You act as though it's true. And that's why it's so important to address this at the belief level, because if you truly don't believe it's possible, then it isn't. And that's where, you know, if you are struggling to believe something is true or could be true for yourself, that's where you can borrow beliefs, you know, look at somebody like me. I was drinking half a fifth of vodka a day and I was a daily drinker for over 20 years. And here's what was possible for me. I also can point to and introduce people to many of my clients who have overcome alcohol use disorder. Alcohol is no longer a thing. Or you could look at big picture statistics. 50% of people who get addicted to alcohol eventually return to moderate drinking without relapse. The path each person takes to get there may vary, but the outcome is the same. 50% of people are able to do this. And so you would have to ask yourself, why wouldn't it be possible for me? Especially if this is what I really want and I'm willing to work at it. And so when you see what is possible, it expands your beliefs about what is possible, 
which is why it's so important to expose yourself to stories of people who have overcome the hurdles that you are trying to overcome. So I asked her, what would the version of yourself in a year that has achieved success say to you right now? And the first thing that came out of my client's mouth was that I should be more kind to myself and to realize you can't change overnight. And so I asked her, how does that make you feel? How does it feel to allow yourself to falter and stumble and still give yourself credit for moving forward? And her honest response was, it pisses me off. I should be able to just do this. And so what we were able to establish here is it's not the amount of alcohol that she drank in this moment that's the problem. It's that she has unrealistic expectations to herself. And I invited her, like, what would it feel like to give yourself a break about this? And to, instead of saying you fucked it up and you're done forever, you know, punitive damages include lifetime of sobriety, instead of doing that to make yourself feel better. Because take a minute and realize that when we're telling ourselves a story, like I'm never going to drink again, it's just a story. We're trying to use our own thoughts to soothe our anxiety. Because by telling ourselves that we will never drink again, we're creating a sense of certainty that we will never feel this way again. But realize that the certainty is a feeling, not a fact. We all know because we've all done it, we change our minds all the time. So anybody who says, I will never drink again, is telling themselves a story to create a feeling of certainty that they will never feel bad about drinking again. But the problem with making an emotional decision like that is as soon as the hangover goes away, so does the certainty that you shouldn't drink. So what would it look like to instead ask yourself, what did I learn? And then we moved into what did she learn about this? And what we came to, and I'll just give you the bottom line, is that she went into that Sunday with no intention. She kind of got a hall pass from the husband to go out because of whatever stressful thing had happened, go out with your girlfriend. And she went out after two nights of having had alcohol, which of course, left her in a dopamine deficit, higher levels of cortisol. She had not slept as well. So her body was in a higher state of stress. And what I teach with nervous system regulation is that the higher your stress levels, the less capable you are of exercising any sort of willpower. Willpower is not really even a thing. Willpower is what you need to get yourself to do something you don't really want to do. And what we talked about is that the subconscious program that was running the show in her case was that my hall pass, my time out, my time, me time, my reward for putting up with all this shit equals unlimited drinking. Not one glass of wine, not two glass of wine, but somehow over time, her perception of drinking means no limits. And that that is ultimately the belief that's going to have to change. And then we talked about how do you rewire that so that your brain no longer associates alcohol with stress relief or as an escape, because it isn't. She didn't escape. Here she is today, stuck in the middle of a busy Monday with a hangover. And so the story in her head isn't matching reality. 
And so what did she learn? Well, the first thing she learned is that drinking three days in a row, alcohol is a depressant drug. Okay. It, it lowers your dopamine and raises your cortisol. The more you drink it, the worse you're going to feel. Again, that doesn't mean that you can't imbibe occasionally and in small amounts and kind of get through that without much consequence. If you're drinking on regular brain chemistry and your stress hormones are in check, like it's very possible to do that. But the more you drink, the more stressed your body becomes and the less you are able to respond from your conscious, which her conscious right now is, I just want to drink like a normal person. The problem is she wasn't conscious in that moment. And I don't mean like she drank to the point of unconscious. I just mean that in a state of stress, her subconscious was was running the show because it wasn't really safe to be in her body. She probably was getting signals from her body that alcohol is not a good idea right now. Like it doesn't feel good to pour alcohol on stress. The reason we pour alcohol on stress is because it gives us a buzz and disconnects us from our body but we can't actually ever escape our body. So she was ignoring the signals and we walked through what those signals were. And if at any point she had had an invitation from her brain to choose something different, and if she had just blown through the stop sign. And indeed, she could look back and see, oh, I did have this thought that maybe I should do something else instead. But she honestly didn't have the capacity to choose something different because her body was in a state of stress. So the question becomes, what did you learn? And what I also teach, one of the eight skills that I teach is radical honesty. And here's, here's the truth about honesty or the truth about truth. Truth is an experience in the present moment. It is what it is. The moment you add words and ideas and rules and judgments and morality to it, it's no longer the truth. It's an interpretation. And what happens is we get so attached to these ideas of the right way to be that we ignore, we have to ignore the experience of what what our bodies are telling us in this moment. So the way I teach you know, overcoming alcohol use disorder and being somebody who can drink like a normal person is to understand that your truth about alcohol has no words. It's only ever an experience. And that today's truth is tomorrow's bullshit. So where she is at with her current, um, you know, in the change process of changing the way she thinks and relates to not only alcohol, but also sobriety, where she's at her ability to tolerate much alcohol is pretty low. And she blew through those stop signs. And so what I encouraged her to do was not make plans for the rest of her life, but what did you learn from this weekend? And how will that inform your behavior this week, next weekend? Like you don't want to set lifetime rules because you can change your mind at any time based on the experience that you're in, right? And that's why I teach that there is no extended period of sobriety or correct way to drink moderately. There is your experience of alcohol. And are you willing to respond to your experience in the present moment? I have told her that when I first reintroduced alcohol, I was very, very cautious, careful with my body, 
because if you remember my story, I was sober for almost three years. I had done crawled out of the mental health hole with the dopamine and the cortisol and all of the mindset stuff. I wasn't given that back. There was no amount of drinks. There was no drink I was trading my mental health and wellness for. And you know, that's just one way to do it. Three years of sobriety. I work with a lot of women who do the 10 days or, you know, and then they just learn over time because your brain is always learning and there's no right way. If your goal is to be a moderate drinker, you can absolutely do that. Whether you extend your period of sobriety, which I kind of think is easier or whether you, you know, just kind of do it in real time as you go. But I have, had my truth change a lot. You know, what I just told you about not saying, oh, I can have one glass of wine a week or I can have two glasses of wine a week. That's where I started. And then I quickly realized that that rule was causing me to overthink. Well, do I want to have it tonight or do I want to have it tomorrow night? Well, I did have it last night. So would it be okay for me to have it tomorrow night too? And then when does the week actually start? Like, that's not what I wanted. And so I had done the work to change my relationship with my mind. And I realized that alcohol wasn't the problem anymore for me. It was the way I was thinking about alcohol. So I adjusted my rule to, I'm not going to think about it. I'm going to let the way I'm experiencing dopamine and stress, cortisol in my body dictate my decisions in any given moment. So at first it, I could have a glass of wine or two in a setting, but I would take a week or two off just to kind of observe my dopamine and my body and my thought processes being the most important, my thought processes and my ability to respond to myself with compassion and self-care and, you know, all the good things, changing that narrative. And then over time, like this last Christmas, I was able, like in one week, I think I had three different times where I had wine, like one or two glasses. And I did not notice any ill effects. Although I remember like the fourth night, because it's a party every night, right? I I got to the point where my experience in my body was like, no, if I have any wine tonight, I'm not going to be as good. I'm going to feel, have a low mood or I'm not going to sleep as well. Like, no. And so that's where you can't know in any given moment in the future how much alcohol is okay for you. You have to be willing to listen and observe and respond to your body in real time, more or less. Is this better or worse. And that is the radical honesty is, is the understanding that the truth is constantly changing. And truth is an experience that you can't argue with. And that's where learning the difference, applying the skills of emotional sobriety to realize, are you arguing with your brain or are you denying an experience in your body? Are you just denying what you really want and crave, which is to feel calm and grounded and connected and relaxed? Alcohol is not the cure for a lack of grounding or a lack of calm or a lack of connection or a lack of relaxation. Alcohol doesn't do that. And so bottom line, getting off this call, by the time we went through 15 minutes, she got off the call with a growth mindset and one who was willing to look at what she did right, 
where she could have done better, where the invitation from her brain, what she noticed that she didn't pay attention, go back and notice them now so that she can notice them double in the future. And then to work on the self-narrative of compassion, that she's in a growth process. Nobody learns how to do any physical skill by reading a book or watching a video or even thinking about it. You can't think and know what it's going to be like. You have to practice in real time and then show up at the workshop the next day. I love the saying, you know, life is a bitch. It gives you the test first and the lesson that follows, you know, and extended periods of sobriety for people who want to reintroduce alcohol in the future. You have to know that you can't know the experience of reintroducing alcohol and those thoughts that are going to come up and how to respond. You can't know those things until you actually reintroduce alcohol. You can just work on your experience of sobriety, which is very, 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 very important and a huge fundamental part. But I argue and see from clients all the time that they're able to cultivate a relationship with themselves and sobriety without extended periods. I honestly think it probably has to do with the stress level in your life, with your brain chemistry anyway, you know, and just the way your body responds to alcohol. That's why there's no one size fits all rule. And that is the most frustrating thing for those of us who are type A, high functioning perfectionists is we want you know, and that was one of the things that she said on the beginning of the call when we got on. She's like, I just want you to tell me what to do. I just want you to tell me what to do because she trusts me and she wants me to give her the rules. She just wants to know the rules. That's what she has to work on. There are no rules. There's just your experience. And so By the time we finished our conversation, she had gotten to a place of acceptance. This is what happened over the weekend. This is the consequence. Happy fucking Monday. And this is how she can put all of this data to good information to make a plan for the immediate future and then also change her relationship with herself. So I am recording this because I want you guys to see what it's like to work with me and how it is not any one thing. There is no process that I can give you. The process I give you is how to develop your own process and change it in real time. Your rules are meant to be broken and they will be. And if you ever want to drink like a normal person, you have to change your relationship with yourself so that there's no right amount of alcohol you are committed to being careful with your body and to practicing self-care. I shared with her how my own narrative has changed over time, how I now describe myself as a one drink wonder because I have no tolerance for alcohol. So I can drink one glass of wine and have a buzz. And I speak about myself as a one drink wonder. You know, she her subconscious programming is still running on the overdrinkers identity that unlimited amounts of alcohol are going to be fun on a Sunday afternoon. Whereas now my subconscious integration and where she wants to get is this belief that I'm really careful with my body when it comes to alcohol, like less is more, less makes me happy. And I even reflected for her that her initial comment of, I I don't think I can be a normal drinker because of what happened this weekend, that right now her goal is to be a normal drinker. And that that's not a thing. Like that doesn't really exist. What does that mean? 
um, usually it just means that you can drink not much more or less than the people around you. Like what is normal? And so I reflected for her that the, the, the challenge or the invitation for her this week is to set the goal higher. Like the goal isn't to be a normal drinker. Nobody gets to the end of their pri- of their life and gets a prize for, well, she always consumed the average or the mean of everybody else's drinks. She was never higher or never lower. Like she was an average drinker. Like that's not a thing. So to change the goal for her in this period of time of exploring her relationship with herself and having her highest priority be the state of her body and her nervous system, and her sense of connection and peace, and willingness to be uncomfortable so that she can resolve the source of her discomfort instead of pouring alcohol on it, and then just making everything worse. Like pouring alcohol on stress, that's kerosene on a fire, because it does nothing to change the source of the stress. The stress and the hangover are there. Happy Monday, okay? So this is what it's like to work with me. And I've only hit a few of the tools that I use uh, because in a 15-minute call, um, it, it, it was just very brief. But, you know, we use, you know, working with the identity, working with honesty, working with that fixed to growth mindset, working with emotional sobriety, where you are able to identify that the problem is inside your body, your response to a hangover, your response to you know, not meeting a goal over the weekend and the story in your head about what that means about your ability to change, like that's emotional sobriety is, is realizing that all of your problems are coming from the inside, not the data. And then let's see, what are the other tools? D is dopamine, you know, and we didn't talk much with her about that today, but learning how to wire your dopamine in with your story and then also boost your baseline levels of dopamine, you know, physically as well as using mental processes, cognitive processes and regulate your nervous system. So anyway, that's what it's like to work with me. This is the work we do in the next chapter. If you are interested in joining me and committing to this work, like immersing yourself in this mindset of setting the goal of who you want to be a year from now. I do have packages that start at 12 weeks and a six months as well as a year. We have a fabulous, tightly knit, intimate group, a small group of women where we meet multiple times every week to work on mindset, to talk about these things, and then to strategize the practical application of the eight core principles. And while I advertise my program to be, you know, overcome alcohol use disorder so you can drink like a normal person, it's kind of a bait and switch because it's not about the alcohol. It's about leveling up to be a woman who stands in her power because she owns full responsibility for every thought that goes into her head. She knows how to manage her mind. And, you know, managing your mind is not managing your behavior for optics and performance. Managing your mind is, and it's also not just distracting yourself from the thoughts that are bothering you, you know, knowing how to stop thinking about that. It's actually being able to pull up the thoughts, see what's beneath the thoughts, peel the damn onion and bring up the limiting beliefs and then change those beliefs, apply new beliefs and respond to your body in real time so that you are not stuck in that chronic state of stress. That's what we do. And it doesn't happen overnight. 
You don't go from years of over drinking to becoming a normal drinker because you sit through one of my awesome lectures. I mean, they are pretty good, but this is practice. It's a physical skill. It's like riding a bike. You don't sit through lectures and read a book and then go out and, you know, win Tour de France. You have to practice and train and fail and learn and grow and count the wins and learn how to reward yourself, give yourself full credit for partial wins and change your self-narrative. That's what we do. That's what it's going to take. Sorry, but there's no diet. There's no set of rules. It's literally rewiring your entire subconscious. And that's why I work with women over six months or a year. But I tell you, they make a turn really fast. And usually there's a turn within two or three weeks. And then there's more breakthroughs at three months and then the six months. And it just keeps getting better and better and better. It's like a snowball rolling down the right hill. This self-awareness and self-responsibility, like there's nothing better. There's nothing better. So I think I started to say, if you're interested, um, you'll want to attend my free masterclass on the eight core principles of my accelerated recovery process. I break down, you know, the process of alcohol use disorder, how normal drinkers become over drinkers, and then move into the solution, which again, isn't turnkey. It is brutal. One broken fingernail at a time is how you crawl out of this hole. But I'm a tour guide in that particular hole. If you're interested, sign up for my masterclass and I'll see you there.